There's a song that came into my heart. I'm not going to try to sing it. <clears throat> my daddy used to sing it a lot. But it's a statement. It says, I cannot. I cannot fail the Lord. I cannot fail the Lord. He has never failed me yet. All his promises he has met. And I cannot fail the Lord. Can you say that with me? But then I find myself failing. Keep that in your mind for just a moment. But I say I cannot fail him. But along with that statement, when you make it. See, people forget this. When they make a statement, certain things go along with it. What do you mean? There's certain criteria fixed to it. What do you mean by criteria? A standard on which a judgment or decision is based. There's a criteria affixed to a statement like, I cannot fail the Lord. If you would look at the screens, Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. Keeping those things in your mind. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. And the Lord, why do I love him? <clears throat> why is it that I cannot fail him? Why is it I can stand here today on this platform for this wonderful pastor's appreciation? And celebrate with you and celebrate with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord, it is he that doth go before you. I say that to you today. It's the Lord that goes before you. Now watch this. He will be with you. Oh, the Bible says thee, but he's you. He'll be with you. Everybody say, he'll be with me. He will not, emphatically, he will not fail you. Now let's get down to it. People will fail you. You put your trust in the arm of flesh and you're going to, please forgive me for saying this, you're going to screw up because people will fail you. Pastors will fail you. Teachers will fail you. Loved ones will fail you. Your family will fail you. But God, but God, but God, but God will never fail you. He will never fail you. So we start trusting in those things because people, are they'll say certain things. They'll say, I, here's one, my pet peeve. Bishop, I am a bishop. He said, Bishop, I'll be with you forever. I'm with you. Until they're not. But that is my pet peeve. A matter of fact, when they say it, and I've taught my son this over the years. When they say it, I know they don't mean it. Or they may mean it momentarily, but when it comes to, I'll never leave you, don't forsake you, I'll never let go of your hand. I love you, brother. Now, they'll accept the hand that prays that brings the miracle, but they will not listen to direction. They will never be disciplined because they don't trust that. What they trust is what they're feeling. Oh, let me get into this. Just sit back, relax, put your seatbelts on. It might get worse. The Lord who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not fail me. He will never forsake me. Fear not, neither be dismayed. You say, why can't I say I cannot fail the Lord? Because of these facts stated in Deuteronomy. He is the same God then and he's the same God now. If he did it then and said it then, he means it now. 
And this is a question I want to ask you, keeping everything that I said in your mind. Don't let it be dismissed. Remember what I'm saying. I want to ask this question, and it's found in Mark 8, 36. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? So I'm gonna, here's the question. What would you give in exchange for your soul? Let me hear it. What would you give? I ask him that. What would you give? And they look at me like a calf in a new stall. What would you give in exchange for your soul? You preachers ought to know exactly where I'm headed with that. Because you see, most people will say, nothing. I will give nothing in exchange for my soul. Nothing. But the truth of the matter is, we can't even show up to church. The truth of the matter is, we don't even know how to give. The truth of the matter is, we don't know how to honor and respect authority in our lives. And so every time you do that, you're giving away a little piece of your soul. So when God hit me with that statement, he said, you'd say, what would a man give in exchange for soul? Well, nothing, but we do it continually. We're giving away our soul because we just will not commit to the will, to the purpose, and the plan, and the direction of the Lord. And when we do that, we give away a little piece of us. That's heavy. So when the God spoke that to me, I said, my goodness. Another word he hit me with was, he said, hear me, flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I said, what are you saying? Hear me, son. Everybody's worried about the flesh and blood because his flesh is never going to change. It's inherently evil. You may not believe me, but ask these preachers. They'll tell you it's inherently evil. The only good part about us is the Holy Spirit that's within us. But what would a man give in exchange for his soul? What would a man give? Yet you need to sit and think today and ponder, what part are you giving away? What have you given away? There's several more things. We'll get into this. But you see, the Joshua generation is not an... I want you to get this in your mind. Joshua generation is not an age thing. It's a mindset thing. So no matter if you're 70 years old, 80 years old, 90 years old, doesn't matter. I'm 37, so I've still got a way to go. It doesn't matter what age you are, 10 or 100. It's not an age thing. People get that in their mind. Well, it's an age thing, Joshua. You know, the youth are going to take over. Not so. Because if I remember the scripture, maybe I read it wrong, but some of you theologians can help me here. But I believe Caleb was about 85 years old. That's right. Come on. And Moses was 120, and he could still see better than us. So it's not an age thing. What establishes the Joshua generation is discipline, commitment, and a listening ear. That's what labels or puts the, the, the moniker on that generation is that it's quick to hear. And it doesn't matter how old you are. And by the way, any of you know, if you're a student of the word, you're learning every day. 
You see, that generation, let's call it the Joshua generation, that generation saw things differently than their fathers saw them. Obviously, because God was moved by this. That generation had to die off because they were so filled with conflict and so much complaint and so much murmuring and so much, they had too much of Egypt in them. They had too much of the fish and the melon and the leeks of Egypt. Now, I could preach that, but I'm not going to. So the Joshua generation of that day, they saw things differently than their fathers saw them. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to see things different than those that have gone before you. Because there was a time there were some great ministries in the land, but those ministries are gone now. You know why they're gone? Because nobody wanted to listen that there's coming another day and there has to be more, greater, a greater leadership to step into place. They have to step into place. If not, the ministry dies. I can name them after one after the other. A.A. Allen, uh, Jack Coe. I can go back for those that don't know, but some of you do know, shaking your head. I can go down the line with these different ministries. Even Kenneth Hagin. Let's go down the line. You watch. Uh, Oral Roberts. There was no proper planning. So there could be no proper Joshua generation. The Joshua generation demands planning. It demands organization. It's just what it demands. Are y'all with me so far? If you're tired, you can leave. They had listened to the complaints of their fathers. They must have said within their spirit, there has to be more. There's just got to be more to this thing. They made a decision to break the tradition of walking around in the desert to obtaining the promise. They broke their tradition. They got tired of walking and wanted to go forward. Everybody say, go forward. Because the Joshua generation, as Ms. Swad said a moment ago, the Joshua generation will always see and hear things differently. They'll always see and hear things dis differently. So listen to me. You have to see where you want to be. You have to see where you want to be because your destiny is linked to your sight. Because if you cannot see it, you will never receive it. You'll never have it. Anything in my life that I wanted, I saw it. I believed in it and the God I serve and I believed in myself and I just did it. Crowds never moved me. Numbers never moved me. It didn't matter if I was speaking to five or ten people. My sons watched me. It didn't matter if that or I stood on stage with Jimmy Swagger and 20,000 and in other countries. You have to understand it's not, I'm not moved by numbers. What I'm moved by is the power and might of the Holy Spirit at work in the people. It doesn't matter if it's five or 50,000. And I can sense that. Your destiny is linked to what you see. How is your sight today? And your ears, are you listening to your ears? Say my ears. I want you to understand your ears are important because your ears are listening to the words that are coming out of your mouth. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The words that are coming out of my mouth, as the comedian said. Because your ears are hearing your complaints, your murmuring, your strife, 
I'll never make it. I'll never do it. I can't get this. I can't. The Joshua generation says, I will do it. As Caleb said, as your pastor probably ministered here, because me and him have been in harmony with our messages lately, you have to understand. Even at his age, he said, let me loose. I'll go get it done. I'll get it done. Turn to somebody and say, we'll get it done. So your ears are listening. What is your ears listening to? Your ears are trying to find direction. And it speaks into your spirit. When you understand, I can't minister this right now, but when you, when, when you get the understanding of faith, there's no way you can get it until you speak it. You have to speak it before it becomes a reality. Now, let me say this. God never makes a mistake. Everything he does is planned. You say, well, God is a shoot-from-your-hip kind of guy. No, he's not. He is very planned. It's organized. He knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He knows exactly what's going to go. If you have a loved one that's died, which my mother and father went, you knew them. Brother Black loved him, your dad, her dad, your husband. And I said, listen, I know one thing, God's faithful, and there's a reason for all things. And I don't know it now, but when I face him, I'll know. I'm setting this nail so you'll understand that whatever God says, he will bring it to pass. What promises have you gotten in your life and God has spoken into your heart? And I'm going to say to you, it shall come to pass. It may not come when you want it, but it'll come right on time. Your ears are listening to you. And you say, nobody heard me. Your ears did. Oh, yes, they did. They heard you talk about people. They heard you say negative things you shouldn't have said. Okay, I'm going to leave that alone. I'll, I'll leave that for, because some of y'all said some things coming to church today that y'all shouldn't have said. I already know that. So I'm going to ask you today, are you nearsighted or are you farsighted in the spirit? <clears throat> because what you see is where you're headed and what you're going to do, and it's linked to your destiny. And what you say is very important. So if you're nearsighted or farsighted, ask yourself this question. Is my sight limited to my pleasure? Or is it affixed to his will? Is it limited to my pleasure or fixed to, my, to his will? Because you see, I don't care what it feels like. If God says it to me, and my wife knows this clearly, if God says something to me, it don't matter to me if it hair-lips the Pope. I'm going to do it. My son may say, come and say, Dad, what are you thinking? And I will have to say, but God has spoken. Because my life, the reason I can live today and my heart is still beating is because I listen to his word. Okay. Well, pastor, you've got to understand, Brother Bishop, our pastor has given us some direction. I don't care if it's pastor's appreciation. I just got to talk truth. Don't you hate people when they say, it's my mouth. I've got to, I, got, I can't control my mouth. I've got to say what I feel. 
When everybody says that to me, I say, oops. I'm just going to say what I say. Well, pastor gave us some direction. I just don't see it. I heard what you said and the Holy Spirit was moving. But you got to understand, I'm very in tune with God. The truth of the matter is they need a, tune, they need a tuning up. Uh, he gave us direction. I just don't see it. I just don't think we're ready for that kind of move or that kind of thought. It doesn't mean when you say that that the direction is wrong. It just means your hearing and sight is limited. So just like you go to the optometrist to get you some contacts or some bifocals, you need to get something on your eyes. You need to see through the word. So the question I would ask, do we only want what will satisfy us temporarily or will we hold out for the eternal blessings of God? Because that's all linked to what he's saying. Ask yourself this question. Do I want to wander around in my problems for the next 40 years? This is questions the Lord gave me. Do you want to wander around in, for the next 40 years in your problems? Well, let me just say what that means. That means I'm going to wander around for whatever years I'm, I'm so stupid. And excuse that expression, but that's exactly what it is. We wander around in my poor choices. We wander around in our negativity. We wander around in our lack of faith. I'm going to ask you again, what do you want? Because whatever choice you make is going to make you wander in that area. You're going to wander there. You made the choice. And let me tell you something the Lord showed me about choices. Y'all don't mind me saying this, do you? I'm going to do it anyway. I said, Lord, what about choices? Everybody got choices and you've got a plan for all of us. Some of us, I believe we're called and appointed, chosen for a, for, for a purpose. And I believe that, that we're all headed toward a spiritual high, referencing God. We're all headed toward God. You all agree to that? So I said, God, I don't understand. I said, my son may do this, and I may do this, and this man over here may be doing this. And I said, How, what do you mean? He said, son, look at a tree. So I looked at a tree out back of my house, and I said, hmm, looks like a tree to me, God. He said, look at it. So I looked at it, and I, it dawned on me. The tree has many limbs and many sprouts. He said, now look very closely that all those leaves and limbs are reaching toward the heavens. Choices are like those different branches. But if you're in God, you're going to reach his plan. But here's the issue with that. Either I'm going to reach his plan taking a long time out here, stretching way out here and then going up. Or either I'm going to follow the trunk straight up. Does that make sense to anybody? That's just what God showed me. So what I want to do is stay close to the trunk. How do I do that? By hearing his word, following his command, believing that God is. And when, the, when I get a directive, I stay with it. I just stay with that direction. Am I making sense yet to anybody here? Good. I paid a lot for this message. I'm just kidding. Calm down. Have y'all learned to laugh yet? 
So we're going to wander around in our poor choices. But remember, when you're wandering, you chose it. Don't blame God. Oh, God, I'm going through hell. You chose hell. God didn't choose it. Anything I've ever gone through in my life, I say, well, oops, there it is. I did it. So here's the thing. Do I want the my way? The song was sung by, I forgot his name now, Frank Sinatra. I will do it my way. Elvis sang it too. But that song, when we reference to the kingdom of God, you can't do it your way. You have to do it his way. So am I going to do, uh, do my way or am I going to walk in the ways of God? Because the Bible clearly states, unless I'm wrong, the Bible clearly says that his ways are much higher than my ways. That means he knows what's going on. But I see church after church and groups of people like this sitting here today, and I've been around the world. So I understand, but I've still seen people looking at me when I'm ministering, and God is starting to, I say, God, what's happening here? So I see church after church and congregation after congregation, they're stagnant and unresponsive. They're just going through the motions. I call that the mechanics of Christ. What have they become? Professional receivers. I could drop the mic right now, but I really don't. We have become professional receivers. And being a professional receiver means you come through that back door, you sit here. I come through the back door and sit here. And all of a sudden, all we want to do is receive. Fill me up, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up. Make me feel good. I want to feel good. You become stagnant and unresponsive because anybody knows the dead sees dead because it has an inlet, no outlet. Because you will not be responsive and do what God's asked you to do. And I'm saying this to somebody. Obviously, God wants me to speak this, so it wouldn't be happening. You have to see there has to be an outlet, and you have to pour forth that which God has given you. Somebody said, when are you going to retire, Bishop? Never! My daddy didn't. He preached one Wednesday night, and the next Wednesday night he was around the throne of God. That's the way he did it. And he died right about time he'd be getting ready for church the next week. I was with him. I went to that pulpit. But we've become professional receivers. And we give very little in return. Come on, you think you get up here and you dance, you're giving something? You think because you're sitting there applauding Pastor Jenny and Alan that that does something wonderful for you? No. It's what's happening in your heart. You can tell me you love me all. I have hundreds, thousands of people say, love you. Love you, brother. That means nothing to me. I watch them. Love is an action word. The reason this happens, we become professional receivers, and so the whole church becomes stagnant, unresponsive. And we wonder what's happened. Preacher's still preaching pretty good. Jenny's still having a great woman's meeting, but there's no 
It's not happening the way we feel it should happen. What's happened? We become professional receivers, professional listeners. Ever learning, ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what the Bible says. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to go to church today and do what? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over there to, to full turn and I knows. We're going to have a few announcements. I'm going to have a worship service. Why? A message brought that doesn't engage or relate to the people. That's the problem with most of them. The message doesn't even engage. It doesn't relate. We're preaching things that they don't even need to hear. Am I right? That's just what's happening. We hear the message, then we get up and we go home and we forget everything that's been said. I have ministered before and they said, my God, that was a powerful message today, brother. And they always get that look on their face. That's the Christian look. It's like they're in pain. I said, that's a powerful message today. And I learned this from one of the greats. Don Mears, bishop, got one of the largest churches in the nation. Me and him used to travel together a lot. He said, well, if I did so good, could you tell me what part you like the best? Well, you know, the part about Jesus. Because they didn't know, oh, they couldn't remember nothing. But man, we're going to have some power in the house today. Power comes where the word has been installed. Am I making sense yet? It's going to get worse here in a minute. I'm going to come to church, but churches are dying. Not this church, but I want you to hear me. They're dying because they're stagnant. They won't listen. They're hard-headed, and people are church hopping like crazy, thinking that they're going to get there and hop on. Let me tell you, don't hop to my church because I'm going to help you hop out. Because what's happening, unless you hop and going to stay, you need to be stay out because I am determined, son, I'm bound for a city whose builder and maker is God Almighty. I'm bound with a purpose. I have a vision. You said, yes, he has vision because it's been born into him. He got a purpose and a plan, and it will be seen. You wait and see. Greater things. Greater things. Everybody say greater things. So, why are we dying? Why do churches like that die, Sister Black, Miss, Miss Black? Because God is not a cafeteria. God is not a cafeteria nor a cafeteria line. He's not there for you to pick and choose what you like. Well, I tell you what, I'd go to that church, but I don't like the one that's on that screen back there. It, just, it, off it offends full turn. It, it offends me. God doesn't care if you're offended about the screens. He doesn't care if you like Superman and Superwoman here in their capes. You see, he's not a restaurant where you've got a huge menu. How many of you in a restaurant and you've got a huge menu? Pasta Bell is one of my things. got a huge I can't remember. Marietta Diner. You, it's that thick, and you go. I mean, I, by the time I get to the end of it, they come up, are you ready to order? No, I'm not ready to order. I ain't even got through the first two pages. 
And we think God cares about us ordering stuff, and we, we, we know what we want, and we know what we like. It's not a, God help me, it's not about the screens and the lights. It's not about, about the balloons, and, the, and, and I've got it all too. But the truth of the matter, it's not about any of that. It's not matter whether I like a song or not, because I'm not worshiping to please you. Anybody on a stage on my on my stage, when they start worshiping and they're trying to they're trying to turn you on with their ability, I'm gonna sit them down because they're not there to turn you on. They're there they're there to turn him on. Do you remember a time when you were a young son where I was up preaching and I hit in the spirit about all the people murmuring and complaining in the choir? We had a hundred voice choir at the time and an orchestra. You know what I did, Brother Jeff? I walked up next Sunday. I said, where you're singing today will be plants. And I set them all down because I said, God can't move in that atmosphere. You wonder why their churches are dying? Because we're trying to do it our way. But I want my position. I want to make sure that I'm the one that people are looking at. I don't really care. <clears throat> I guess that comes with age. I don't care. All I want is God. I want to go forward. Everybody say, go forward. Let me say something that may shock you. You are not here because of you. You are here because of design. You didn't make a decision. Well, yes, I did too. I got up and brushed my teeth. One that I had. And I said, I'm going to church. No, you're here by design. <laughs> you're here by design. It's a purpose and a plan. God's designed for such a time as this. As she spoke. It's scripture. And you have to understand also, you, you did, you, not only did you not choose the church, but you didn't even choose your leadership. Well, what do you mean? Pastor Allen and Jenny were chosen by God, for God, for this time. And so whether you like it or not, that's where, where it's going for you. That's why you're sitting here. That's why people have missed it at, at East-West. Understand, I have never backed off of my vision, purpose, and plan. Never. That's why we're a diverse congregation. That's why we're reaching out into com different communities because we've never changed certain things. And we've never said, okay, we'll just go and do it. You know, I want to I impress these people. You'll find out in impressing people, you depress God. Right or wrong? Help me. So what's happened? Why are we having such difficulty in going forward? Because we get in a hole. We get in a ditch. We get in a rut. You know what a rut is? It's a habit or pattern of behavior that has become dull and unproductive, but is hard to change. Matter of fact, you can check out these wagons in the Old West. They could get in a rut. They didn't even have to lead the horses. The horses just pulled it on because the wagon stuck. 
in those ruts. And that's what happens. We get stuck in a hole, in a rut, in a ditch. You can't allow, here, mark this one down as a key. You can't allow your habit to become your reality. You can't let your habit become your reality. Don't get comfortable with what is, but what can be. Am I making sense yet? Please don't do that. Always look to the more. What can be. I believe it's time for all of us to step out of the rut. It's time to get out of that hole. It's time to broaden our horizons. It's time to see what others cannot see and hear what others have dismissed. And take the challenge and the leap of faith and believe that God is. And if God is and his word is true, then he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The same when I opened up, I said, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will not do it. He will not do it. He will not do it. You said, but you don't know what has happened in my life. I don't care what's happened in your life. What's happened is you're still here. We're still fighting the good fight. Because you have to understand, and I may minister to sometimes if you ever listen to me again, the carnal is always with us. You're not going to get rid of it. You say, I'm so spiritual, the carnal don't bother me no more. Oh, come on. I got so spiritual one time, I made a big statement. Jeff, you'll like this. I said, I just want God to test me. I'm telling you because it don't matter what you put in my face. And I won't even name all the things I named. And guess what happened? It come. And I said, oops. And then I found myself doing what I said I would not do. Somebody in the Bible said that. Oh, yeah. Paul said that. I found myself doing what I didn't want to do, and yet I was doing it and enjoying it. What are you looking like? Sin for a season's great until it fully manifests itself. <laughs> How, how many here will be honest with me today? Because you are in church. <clears throat> you have <clears throat> said some things you'd never do, you did. My Lord, now all those hands raised, <clears throat> take out $100 and bring it here. Now, <clears throat> <clears throat> it's the truth. It's time to go forward. What you, everybody say me, what you settled for yesterday, you cannot settle for anymore. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus. Well, I just tell you, Bishop, it's good to look back. And I have a family of people that love to look back. Because no matter how good it was back then, it still was in your yesterday. And if it's in your yesterday, you don't need it anymore because God let the day pass by. He let it go away. His yesterday, if he dwelt on that, on his yesterday that I could have done it, he misses the plan of God because he's living in it, waking up in the morning thinking about it. Has anybody ever done that? Thinking about it. I don't want what was in my yesterday. I want it in my today and in my future, in my tomorrow. 
I want for all of us seated here today to go forward. I want us to go forward into the promises and plan of God. I will say in this going forward, I need more of God and less of me. I hunger for him. I want his way. Say that back to me. I want his way. Now, when you say I want his way, I'm almost through. I don't know what time you usually get out. When you say, I want his ways, that's all well and good until he shows you his way. Now we have a problem. Either you will do it or you won't do it. Either you will listen or you'll hesitate. And that can bring devastation. The calling is important. Listening is important. Following what you keep begging God to speak into your life, Sister Black, you got to know when he speaks it, you got to be ready to move. This is what needs to happen. I'll try to wind this down. Matthew 24, 37 in the King James Version, I believe they've got it. If they don't, they will. Matthew 24, 37. But as the days of, of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Let me clarify this. The Son of Man, Jesus Christ, is coming continually. He's continually coming into our lives. Continually, and he's in my heart. And when he speaks, I'm listening to him. So we're clear about that. But listen to this next verse. In Genesis 7, 11, it says, and they were talking about the Noah experience. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day, everybody say the same day, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up. You remember me telling you? All the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were open. You see that story as destruction. <clears throat> you see it as Noah's ark being carried away and all these people dying. But I see something different. Because the fountains of the deep were broken up. The fountains of the deep were broken up. And the windows of heaven were open. What was happening at that time was forever changed. What are you saying, Bishop? Maybe today, maybe right now, something will happen. A word spoken that breaks open the fountain of your deep. Hear me now. There's a part of you that can be very deep. And God broke up. The, see, we thought rain just fell and filled the earth. No, the fountains of the deep were open. Water came out of the earth and up. So what are you saying? If we'll trust in the Lord, we'll listen to his commands, we'll follow his leadership, the fountains of living water will come forth out of the deep. And people's lives will be changed. But it only will happen when we listen to the Lord. We have to listen to the Lord. We have to follow his plan. And everything comes with a process. Process. And sometimes it's not easy, that process. Sometimes it's difficult to walk through that process. Sometimes you loathe the process. But at the end of the process is the promise. So I say today, hopefully, the fountains of your deep will be broken up. 
and the water will start to flow. You'll see what's not been seen and hear what's not been heard. We must go forward. Stop looking at past things. That kind of mindset will stop the flow of the Spirit. Look at the children of Israel. They had yesterday's manna, and God said, don't eat yesterday's manna. Isn't that right? Why? Because he didn't want them to have it. And matter of fact, when the manna was gathered, they had to throw it away after they had their meal. Why? Because it started to stink and develop maggots. That's why he says in John 6, 56, I'll not read it all. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. Now, either he meant that or he didn't. 